Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. To the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped. And I love this. And some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Let's just uh, let's say a word of prayer and just ask God to help me today and uh, as he helps us with the word this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, that um, it is truth. I pray you sanctify us in it. I pray, God, that your word will bring life as it does. I pray, God, that your word would penetrate our hearts, Amen. penetrate our minds. Yes. I pray, God, that you would be glorified. I pray, God, that we as a church would be edified through the reading of your scripture. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 This is the purpose that all believers have uh, that's just been outlined to us in Matthew chapter 28. This is our mission. This is as a follower of Christ what it means to follow him, what it means to follow Jesus, that this is for all of us. This is our mission. This is our purpose. This is why we are here. And this is very crucial and critical for us to have this uh, conversation. Um, This is not a strategy for us. This is just our mission and our purpose And Jesus wants to lay out how we do this and what it is that we are to do more than he wants to lay out a strategy to us because strategy is important, but that's not the ultimate thing. What we need to be reminded of in every aspect of our life, why are we here? What are we doing with our lives? Like, why has God placed you in the context that you are in? Why has God placed you in the vocation that you're in? Why has God placed you in the relationships that you have, in the neighborhood you have? This answers that question that fills the bookshelves of Barnes and Nobles and Books a Million that are wanting you to try to find your purpose, wanting you to find your reason of existence. In just a matter of a few short verses, Jesus here lays it out right before them. And so we find ourselves here Jesus giving us this critical mission. And, and before we talk about that, I want to talk about what our mission is not, because that's, that's also important too. Our mission is not, as a church, to create community. Our mission as a church is not to care for each other. Our mission as a church, or your mission as parents... <coughs> 
is not to raise morally upright children. Our mission as a church is not to um, speak against all of the cultural wickednesses, that's a word, of the world. That's not our mission. Those are byproducts of our mission. Our mission is not to create community. Jesus is creating the community. We're just on a mission. Amen. Our job is not to likewise um, raise kids to be morally upright people. Our job then is to uh, raise children to be on mission. Okay. Our job is not to care for each other. Our job is to care for each other into health to get them back into mission. Okay. So there's a, like, those are some pretty fundamental differences that we've probably all been taught, I've probably even said, when it comes to mission, that those things are just byproducts of what Christ has called us into. He's called us into community, but that's not our mission. Our mission is to be a force and to take the mission of Jesus as a community. So I need us to just really make sure we're all on the same page as our mission. So, so Jesus comes, any any steps before his boys, and he gives them three things. Man, I feel all Baptist this morning. I'm going to give you three points, and, um, and I'll be out your way. He's going to talk to them, and there are three things, and this may seem cheesy, but this is how I've identified this in my head. He's going to talk about the power, the plan, and the promise, and they all start with P's, so like the pastor's looking for a raise, I guess. I don't know what's going on. The, 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 <laughs> the power, the plan, and the promise. All right, just three easy things. I've done it so, I'm, this is what happens when I have time off. I'm able to really, really organize my sermons for you. Um, if you don't like it, then busy me up, and then we'll go back to just randomness, all right? Power, plan, and promise. Those are three fundamental and critical things that Jesus is laying out to us. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about this, the power. He says that all authority has been given unto me. Okay. All authority. This is him declaring his lordship over all things. Yeah. He is lord over all people. He is lord over all situations. He is lord of the heavens and the earth. There is not a square inch in the cosmos to which he can't say I own this because he owns it all. Amen. This is him declaring this lordship when he's saying that all authority and all power has given. been given to me. Now, this Amen. seems like Jesus is a totalitarian, that's a hard word to say, uh, view when he says, I've got all the power, now conquer. Right? Doesn't it seem like that way? And I think probably some... Uh, some, some Christians along the way have, have misconstrued this, um, i.e. like the, the Crusades and all of that things, like go set up dominion and power and go conquer and set my flags everywhere as if they were rednecks or something. That's just kind of how I envisioned the Crusades to happen. It would appear to the secular mind, it would appear to the secular mind that this is very offensive, right? Like go and conquer? Like, who says this? Yet here is, a, is, is God in the flesh 
telling them to, I've got all of the authority. I am the king. Now I am issuing you this statement to go and conquer. It would appear that this is very offensive and that he has placed some um, wicked governorship in the heavens to go and conquer. But if you knew Jesus, you would know that that is uh, quite the opposite of who he is and how he reigns. Because our king and this king that is stating this claim is not one who is simply telling us to go and, and whip them all up and, and take over their lands. But this is a king who, in the previous chapter, if you remember, of Matthew 27, where he was brutally beaten for his people. So this is the king that is telling them to go conquer the one who just laid down his life for them. This is the king who, as he's being brutally beaten, nailed to a cross, is saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive the, my enemies. So this is the authority that Jesus is placing. Okay. The authority not of bondage and slavery, as most would probably feel that this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is, he's just wanting to bring everybody into bondage and, and set them into captivity. But this king is not one to do that. He is bringing Amen. them into freedom. Yes, this is the authority that Jesus has given to his disciples in this universal Christendom. He has given us this power, the same power now that it is inside of us. He's saying, go. Make disciples with this same authority that, that you could look at this and say that this is bondage and this is mockery to culture. Jesus is saying this authority brings freedom and this authority brings grace and truth. And Matthew, the writer, he knew this. He would use words. He used this word authority a lot in the gospel of Matthew. He would say that, uh, that he would heal with all authority. That he would set free with authority. And the crowds would marvel at his authority. Yeah. And this was the authority that Jesus would use. One to bring freedom. One to bring healing. One to bring salvation. This is the authority that Jesus is bringing to them. Amen. And Matthew really understood this authority too. This, this oh, hoodlum here who used to be a thief and a part of this mafia who would pry on those in poverty, who was colluding with Russians, I mean the Romans. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Thank you, Don, I appreciate that. Jesus here identifies Matthew, who was colluding with Roman people who were oppressing um, Matthew's very own people. And this authority locks eyes with Matthew as he is at his tax booth collecting and stealing and robbing from his very own people. And this authority speaks that of grace and truth when he tells him, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew's only option because of this authority of grace and truth is to drop what he's doing. Drop who he used to be to come follow Christ. And now this authority, Jesus declaring this, this all power that he is embodying at this moment. He's saying that now all of this has been given to me. 
And this is interesting because Matthew wants us to be introduced with this idea that all power, so that we can understand that this power will be inside of us because it will be only through this power that we will be able to accomplish what Jesus is about to lay out. So he's telling them that through this power, via the Holy Spirit inside of you, you will be able to accomplish this, which is really good news, which means that we don't really have to bring anything to the table. Okay. That it's not by our might or our power, but via the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, yeah. that's how we will be able to accomplish what Jesus is about to lay out before us. I love how this is introduced to us. Because it says, as Jesus, as they were coming to the mountain, Jesus is there. All right? Now, now check this. There's 11 disciples, but there's a huge crowd with them. The Bible says that as they saw Jesus, some worshiped and then some doubted. Yep. Man, I, I don't know about y'all, but I find a lot of comfort in that. I find a lot of comfort in that. Because really, that's a, that's, that's a large part of the story of the disciples. A lot of them were, were, they just doubted a lot. In fact, this word could really be translated as they were skeptical. So as they're seeing Jesus, they, you know, and, I, and I've got to be that guy too. I'm not probably the one falling at his feet worshiping. I'm like, wait a minute. You just died. And now you're alive? What? I love the next part of this because this should bring all of us some comfort and hope. Jesus did not rebuke them in their doubting. What does the text say? It says that he drew near to them. Brothers and sisters, our doubt is not enough to keep God from doing what he wants to do. I know we've been wired in our thinking the opposite. Right? Well, if I doubt, then God's just not going to use me no more. It's like this fear is embedded of us just because we have doubt. God's not scared of your doubt. Even in your doubt, the Scripture says that Jesus drew near to them. Not just to those who were worshiping, but as those who were worshiping and doubt, Jesus was drawing near to all of them. Amen. And that should give a lot of us some hope this morning. Yes. Even in our skepticism, Jesus draws near to us. Even for those of us who fully can't understand what's going on, that does not keep God from drawing near you. So God has given this power, and he's displaying his power to his people. And we'll know that this power is going to go through these jokers and light them up. And then he gives them, all right, so, so we've got the plan. I mean, we've got the power. I've got the power. Right? You've got the power. <laughs> and, and now he's going to lay out the plan to them. Y'all like my singing, don't you? He's going to, you shouldn't agree to that, okay? Because there may be more coming t- for you. Cheesy puns. Now, the key to this is the commanding verb used here in the plan, make disciples. Okay? Now, this is what Jesus is instructing them to do, and this is indeed a call to the eleven and to those who are listening to Jesus, but this is also a call to all who are followers of Christ. Yeah. 
Now, you cannot separate being a believer and a follower of Christ from a disciple in Christ, all right? That's unbiblical. Which means that if you are a believer and a follower of Christ, you've been called to do what Jesus is instructing us in here and be a disciple of Christ by doing what? Making disciples. All right, this is not a call for the pastor or just the pastor. It's not a call for just the elders or just the deacons or the lay leaders or for those who are theologically grounded in the word. This is a call to all who follow Christ. Amen. This commanding verb to make, make disciples. Yes. It has the idea to which, which causes others to believe. So making disciples has the idea that we're causing others to believe by, by all of our lifestyle, that the life that we live. So, so, so being a disciple, making disciples, results of that are us standing for, for what is right, us being a voice to the voiceless, us, us fighting for the poor, us doing what is right, right? This is what it looks like. These are results of being a disciple of, of Christ. Now, now he gives this, these two aspects to this. There's a missionary view of this, and there's a pastorate view of this. So none of you really came in here expecting God to call you to be a missionary and a pastor this morning. But God is about to call you to be a missionary and be a pastor this morning. The missionary aspect of this is to go... And the pastorate of this is to teach them. Amen. These aren't separated ideas. Okay, you go, I'll teach. Okay, you do this and then I'll do this. This is an all-inclusive job description yeah. of what it means to follow Christ, yeah. to make disciples go. Now, I like this word because... Jesus is about to get really in the nitty-gritty of this and tell us how to do this. So he says, go, then baptize and teach, all right? So those are your three how to do this because it seems overwhelming. Like, how am I going to do, make disciples, what? Jesus is about to lay it out to you real clear, okay? You're going to go, you're going to baptize, and you're going to teach, all right? And this is for all of us. Go baptize, and teach. Let me look at the word go. This is carrying a very imperative force that wherever you are, you are going somewhere, right? If you, I didn't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> you got here because you went, you came, you're going somewhere after this. I don't know, you may stick around for a really long time, but at some point you'll be going somewhere, right? So here's the imperative force that Jesus is saying, go, like get out and go make disciples. In your neighborhood, God has given you and planted you in. Go in that neighborhood and make disciples. In the job that you're in, go make disciples in that job. In the school that you're in, go and make disciples. So this really redefines your identity 
that you thought you had prior to coming into this room this morning, that you've wrapped, some of you have wrapped your identity around your job title. Now Jesus is stripping you from that job title, now have given you the job title as a missionary, as you are whatever you're doing in your vocation. That means in your relationships, in your neighborhood, you're not defined by living wherever that is that you live. You're now defined as a missionary who just so happens to live in this neighborhood, in your school, and, and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I can keep going with this. I, I hope you get the point already. Like, wherever you are, you're going somewhere, and you're making disciples. Yeah. You're making disciples. Um, the, I, love, I love Matthew's, um, and I'm not speaking first person here. I, I love the gospel of Matthew when he says baptize. Now, for me, that just kind of opens things up a little bit. I, I, love, I love what's not implied here because Matthew, being a Jew, I, I thought he would have said and circumcised them because that was Jewish tradition. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, don't Google it. <laughs> Some really bad things. I'm digressing. Now listen, this opens things up a lot. Because he could have said and circumcised them. Because that would have meant that this is probably just for the Jewish people. But here Matthew is opening up this realm that it's not just for the Jews by simply using one word in here, baptize them. Because this is a new covenant for all people. Okay. Matthew is wanting to broaden the horizon for the Jews. That Jesus didn't just come to save the Jewish people, but now here Jesus is saying you're going to baptize them. Because this implies that it's not just for you Jewish people. It's for all peoples. Yes. And they, they should have understood this because this has been the narrative of Scripture throughout the Old Testament. That God would bring all nations to himself. Amen. And so he's simply telling them that this mission that you're on is not just for you Jewish folks. Okay. Let me break this down for us if I can just a little bit so we all understand. Because I don't think any of us have a Jewish heritage in here. For those of you who are white, it's not just for you. And for those of you who are African American, it's not just for you. For those of you who are Latino, it's not just for you. It's for all people. And God hasn't just come to send you on a mission to, re to reach just your people group. Okay. He has sent you on a mission to reach all people groups. That's what Jesus is communicating here with the simple word and baptized them. Now, yes, dunk them in some water. But the <laughs> baptism here is a symbol of this new covenant for all people. So this commission here to us is to go, to baptize, and then I, I like this, and then to teach. Amen. Now, I, I know sometimes we, we look at this and we're like, well, he's saying observe this, and so we'll just become students of the Bible. 
And yes and amen, please become a student of the Bible. All right, there's a lot of weird things out there that people believe. I need you to get your theology right, okay? This is a word of instruction. And he's saying, I want you to teach them. And this isn't just, just a verbal thing, but it's also living this out. All right, now this doesn't mean that you're just simply living it and not proclaiming it. Because you cannot take away the proclamation of the gospel. You just can't. Okay? All right, I know you've, you've heard the false statement to preach the gospel and when necessary use words. That's baloney. Okay? It is to proclaim the message and to live what you're preaching. This is how you make disciples. By not just being a student of the word, but by being a doer of the word. What good is it if you, if you join some group? Uh, let's, let's just go here. If you join a marriage group, and you're going to find five ways to make your marriage better, and you've read the scripture, you read Ephesians, you even memorized it, man. You're like, I can memorize this, and I'm going to sacrifice my life just as Christ laid down his life for the church, and then, woman, you're to obey me. And, like, you got it nailed down, which I don't think that's kind of how it goes, but anyway. But what good is it if you're not living that? Okay. What good is it if you know the word and you're not applying it? Because transformation is not going to come by simply just blowing your head up with knowledge. Yeah. Okay. My fear is that we have become a people who are not a disciple and who are not doing what God has instructed us, but we've become a people who've got big heads and small hearts. This is my fear for a lot of us. We've become a, a people, I know how to do it, I just don't do it. That's not what a disciple looks like. You, when you're teaching, when you're making disciples, you're teaching them not just by your words, but also by your actions. I mean, if you, you come up here and you, you listen to me and I'm not acting on what I'm saying, you need to find another church. It's like getting advice from a sports commentator uh, on how to play football, and he's never played football. Listen, I can tell you how to play the game. And I know this is going to come as a shock to a lot of you. I've never played football. I know. Sit down. I know it's a shock to you because some of you are like, wait a minute, I thought you may have been like a quarterback or something because you're just so dapper and everything. And I know, I know. I just want to lay my cards out there for you. I'm just here to be honest, transparent, you know. And also here to expose my ego. Now, I, now I could probably help Auburn, but anyway. Um, but I don't think someone of the caliber of, of, and it pains me to say this, Alabama would want to hire me on as a consultant or a coach. You know why? Because I've never played. Now, I can tell you all the things they've done wrong, uh, and, and it's like this. It's like this with diet and exercise. You know how many people I know? They know how to diet and they know how to exercise. But you can kind of tell. And I'm not hating on nobody. But you could tell. Like, man, you sure have got a, no a lot of knowledge about it. Have you considered practicing the knowledge? Come on now. <laughs> that I think. I think a lot of us have become that. We've become the sports commentator. We've never even played the game. We just have a head knowledge of it. Yeah. 
We've become the nutritionist, and we got some work to do. I'm just going to be try to be nice, you know. And I think we've become that. We've been a, we've been a student of the word, and please hear me: be a student of the word. But you cannot separate it from doing the word. Amen. If I'm not doing the word, then we've got a problem. Yes. If you're not doing the word, then you've got a problem. Jesus is saying, teach them, and here's how you teach them. You live it also. You're instructing them. As you are going, you're instructing them. This is how we make disciples. Now, he, he gives them this, all right? So we got the power. I'm not going to sing it again. we got the plan. All right. And now it's my favorite part in this text. we got the promise. So here's Jesus talking to an audience of men and women who were uneducated, who were previously had, let's just, let's just say they, they were not qualified to work in a church, okay? okay? Some of these men and women, we would probably tell them, you need to go work somewhere else, all right? They don't have good qualifications. They don't have a good rapport. They don't have a good past. And Jesus is instructing them to do this. And I'm sure some of them are thinking, and, and I've just got to place this in there, like, Come on, Jesus, are you serious? We're going to take over the nations? Like, have you seen us? Like, Peter over there, he was just denying you. Okay. <laughs> and God knows what happened to Judas. Right? you got to think this is something that they're thinking in their minds. Like, have you heard, Thomas? Nothing but doubt comes out of this joker's mind. Okay. I mean, he's just constantly... Got diarrhea of the mouth, man, and you're going to use us? And I know that's how some of us feel because I felt that before. Like, Jesus, you're going to use me? Have you not? Like, I mean, let's, come on, come on, Jesus. Like, seriously? Isn't that a feeling that we get? I mean, that's kind of an overwhelming feeling that Jesus wants to use you to take over the world with the gospel. Doesn't that seem like an unrealistic expectation that Jesus has on us? But he understood you couldn't do it through your own power, so he's already set that up. He's always like, well, I know you, you actually, yeah, you are pretty scummy, but I'm going to do it through you. And then he gives us this incredible promise. It's okay, I will be with you. Now, we see this again in the beginning of Matthew when Matthew the writer is quoting Isaiah chapter 7, when he says, And a virgin will give birth to a son, and she will call him Emmanuel, Amen. God with us. So here's Matthew wanting us to draw us back to how this whole thing began in the first book of Matthew, in the first chapter of Matthew, by ending it the same way. This God who came to save you I, I'm not leaving. I will always be with you. There's not a greater hope that you could have. I mean, some of you wrestle with being alone. Some of you wrestle with anxiety. Some of you wrestle just with this whole concept of making disciples is enough to probably send some of you overboard. Like, I don't need none of this. But the promise is, is that you're not doing it by yourself. Okay. The promise is, that God 
is with us always. How will we accomplish this? How will we continue to follow him? How will we make disciples? How will we teach them? Because Jesus right now is with us. And this is how this has gone for 2,000 years. And it hasn't failed. He will not fail because he just doesn't fail. So don't you think that, yes, you may feel like you're going to fail at this? Listen to me very carefully. Because God is with you, he doesn't fail. And we've been commissioned by the love and the power and authority of God to go out into our community and make disciples and be a witness and to teach them by our words and our actions to all of the people. This is what Christ has called us into. This is our commission. And I no longer want to be a church that sits on the sidelines and be a it's just a sports commentary, tater guy. I want to be in the game. Amen. I want to be in the adventure. Amen. And I want you to be on the adventure too. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.